This is episode number six with Gawa Kalinga founder Tony Maloto. Mabuhai and welcome to the Best of You podcast. I'm your host Mike Grogan and each week we give you an inspirational person or message designed to empower you to go further faster. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now let the show begin. And welcome to episode number six. A very, very special guest for you today, guys. A very special guest. When I first arrived in the Philippines a year ago, um, I asked the question to people I met, what organization is doing the most impactful work to eradicate poverty? Which, who are the most effective organizations operating in the Philippines? And time and time again, Gawa Kalinga, GK, came on top of that list. And once I learned about GK, I became fascinated with its work. And I, I said, I have to meet the people behind this. This was very important to me. I, um, for those that don't know me, I spent two years working in a hospital, not-for-profit hospital in Africa. It was tremendously impacted in my life when I first saw people living in poverty in 2010. And it totally changed the direction of my life. So I know that my existence in the Philippines in some capacity has to involve uh, progressing, um, significantly progressing the quality of life of people ending poverty in our time. And getting the opportunity to meet Tony Melotto, the founder of GK, was hugely impactful for me personally. This is about the fifth, no, the fourth time I met Tony. I have been hugely impacted by his his values, his vision, his philosophies. Really, I've no one ever, and I sincerely mean this, no one's ever had such a huge impression on me um, like my encounters with Tony Melotto. And I treasure those moments. And getting the opportunity to go to GK Enchanted Farm in Bulacan, this beautiful, beautiful setting, and to getting to sit with Tony for an hour to really extract from him <laughs> as much wisdom as I, as I possibly could that would be of benefit to you, the listener. This episode is really special. I really, really believe that you will take extraordinary value from listening to Tony Melotto and his, his um, insights. Okay, that's enough from me. Let's get to this interview. Tony Melotto. Okay. Tony Melodo, thank you so much for making time for me today. Um, I've been looking forward to this since we scheduled it. And you have met it personally. I think this, Tony, this is the fifth or sixth time we've met. Um, I've been highly impacted by my time with you, and I really do treasure the moments we have together. So I am very appreciative that you're giving me some time to share your story and journey with our listeners today. So I appreciate it. Well, uh I share the pleasure because uh, you're just starting your journey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it is important for me that the new generation represented by you mm. and many others are just starting to explore uh, new paths to success and happiness. Mm. Excellent. Okay. So we'll start off a question I ask all my guests. The first question is, what are you most grateful for right now? I'm grateful that uh, I was born Filipino. Mm. I'm grateful that uh, we have been blessed with a, a country of great abundance and uh, very, you know, a very compassionate, creative, and uh, people uh, who are starting to set themselves free mm. from a long history of pain, of oppression, of pain and suffering, mm. and are starting to really just be masters of their own destiny. Mm. So I'm very grateful to be born at this stage when we are starting to really find ourselves no mm. longer the sick man of Asia, but uh, the second fastest growing economy in the world. Yeah. And uh, I am born, I'm very grateful that I'm born at a time 
when the world is also looking for change mm. that will make the might make the world better mm. from the one that this generation the new generation will inherit from my own generation mm. so i'm grateful that uh, uh for this uh energy especially in the field of social change yes where people talk about innovation and inclusion mm. as a way of creating wealth that will not plunder the planet as mm. uh, a way of creating wealth that does not leave anyone to suffer poverty mm. excellent i appreciate that tony i really appreciate that in terms of it's amazing that when i started this show i i asked people for names of who i should interview your name is come up time and time again as someone who our listeners want to hear from can i turn the question on if you are perceived by so many as so inspirational is there a particular quote that inspires you that you could um, a leadership quote or can i want to really deep dive into your your own inspiration yeah well it's something that has uh, designed my own life and mm. the philosophy i live by yeah and uh, i have been influenced by great men of history mm. starting with with also the uh, base of my christianity yeah and uh, so i've uh, realized that freedom is the greatest gift and uh, so when i look at the world of money and power i realize mm. that i value the freedom to serve my country and humanity mm. more than the power to rule so mm. i realize that uh, freedom embodies also the very life of my existence which is love and hope mm. and uh, today i am we're at the verge of a major transition that the philippines will rise from historical poverty and uh, by restoring the dignity of uh, every filipino and uh, show also how we can build the philippines as uh, an inclusive society among emerging economies and yeah. probably become a model a prototype for other emerging economies in a sense the the world will see a new way of of creating profit yes. that yields the highest uh, social benefit mm. excellent I, i definitely want to get into that more in terms of your vision for this country and we'll be exploring that further so i, I thank you for that if i were to ask you to the best advice you ever received what what do you think that would be on your journey <laughs> If it hasn't been done before, then let's do it. <laughs> I love that. If it hasn't been done before, let's do it. Okay. Is there a particular moment? Is that something you repeat to yourself frequently? Yeah, I always challenge the impossible. So from the very beginning, when people told us that uh, that the Philippines will be a country of, of squatters because uh, those with land will not share the land with the landless and the homeless, I wanted to challenge that mm. uh, mindset. So I realized that if I start to show uh, a way of really creating shared value, yeah, a way of uh, motivating landowners to share a part of their land to the landless, mm. so we can transform uh, areas with low value you know, by removing the ugly shanties. and uh, building peaceful communities mm. by you know simply because we have motivated the men mm. you know to really develop self-reliance in giving sweat equity to build their homes so in a sense what we have done in one community where we showed that we trigger economic activity build peaceful communities you know transform the ugly landscape and because of that land value started to go up mm. so the generous land owners also saw that it was not just benefiting the poor but it was also benefiting them because it will also uh, add value to their land yeah. so in the process we inspired land owners to donate land for over a million families in the country mm. before gawad kalinga the normal the, the the way that people would donate land would be to either give it to the church or give you know so that they can get a ticket to heaven <laughs> or donate land to schools yeah because when you build uh, schools then you also improve the value of the real estate but they never clearly saw that when you they donate a portion of the land mm. to be able to transform slums mm. 
because even a lot of land in this country are also squatted. Yes. We can actually restore human dignity, build a transformed ugly slums into beautiful communities and turn uh, criminals mm. into uh, good citizens. Mm. Then then you can inspire mm. more, more landowners yeah. to donate land. When we also showed corporations that they can turn their CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, to really make an investment uh, in that will benefit their company, you know, by also transforming the communities where they operate. Mm. So we're able to work with Unilever to transform their own, not just their environment, but also to inspire and motivate their own uh, labor. Mm. So instead of always complaining about uh, the lack of benefits or demanding more, when they got involved towards building 100 homes for the poor uh, who used to live in cemeteries, mm. they built a Selecta. Selecta is the brand of ice cream. You know, they, yeah. they were able to really also inspire their own personnel to really share their time. Mm. And in the process, they were transformed. So it was a big surprise to me that uh, Selecta came out with an ad three years later that they became the number one ice cream mm. because uh, of Dawit Kalinga. Yes. And uh, so we also worked with, with Hanjin, the South Korean shipping yard. Mm. We helped build over 300 homes uh, in the shipyard where they operate. So their own personnel will be able to go home in safe, and decent communities, mm. and be better also corporate citizens. Mm. Later on, Kepel did the same thing in their own shipyard. Mm. So when you are able to really uh, create shared value mm. with big corporations, with landowners, then you also now in you achieve scale. So you create a win-win situation. Mm. And so when we realize that you can bring the rich and the poor to become partners. Mm. Then you create wealth from the genius of the rich mm. and the genius of the poor who know the ground. Mm. So, and you also uh, create peace, yes. which makes development more sustainable. Mm. So before, when they said that it's difficult to work with men, because most of your criminals are men, mm. and even microfinance, is 97% women because it's difficult to collect from men. Mm. I challenge that as well. If uh, it is the loss of, again, our human capital, it's the loss of maybe the we have failed to simply just motivate the men yeah. to become productive citizens. So you can actually turn your threats into your own protection. Mm. You can turn liabilities into assets. Mm. So if men are the problem, we should not abandon them. They should be part of the solution. Yeah. So our build. So we started building homes because our construction workers are men. Mm. We build schools because men are more, you know, develop their self-reliance mm. in a field where they feel that they have the, they can grow their competence. Yes. And so we also are starting to develop farms because most of our farmers are men. Mm. So now we're also working in the field of logistics because most of our drivers are men. Yeah. So we have to really see a world, you know, where development uh, is really that yeah that the harnesses both uh, male and female. So mm. there is no gender bias, but we don't also develop one at the expense of the other. Yes. So these are all again areas where people said it cannot be done. So here, where we are having this interview, you see a very peaceful community where you don't even have security guards. No one carries a gun. Where you see uh, that the men working, no one is just sitting in the corner. And so both men and women are working. You don't even see the men smoking. And on weekends, there is no drunkenness in the streets. Because we just show them that uh, we can create uh, value not only for the benefit of, of business, or, but it's really for the benefit of their own families. Yeah. 
So again, it's creating shared value. Mm. So that's how we're going to end poverty in this country. We have a very clear, uh, you know, we have a, a, a Filipino dream mm. that gives us the passion to wake up every day. Mm. So if you look at uh, you know great authors like Greg Warren talking about you know purpose driven life, mm. yeah, this is all of us have to discover what is our purpose. Mm. Then that will give us the energy, that will give us the excitement, that give us the joyful expectation mm. of what the day will bring. Because we just don't allow things to happen to us; we make things happen. Yes, because we were gifted. You know, as uh, you know, in our own divine design, mm. with great creativity. Mm. So, if we just raise a human being, you know, to a life of dignity, mm. then he will also and uh, and live, build his family and his community, his country, on values that honor his divine design. Mm. So that's the deeper spirituality mm. that will propel us to go through our own faith journey. Yes. For us to really, by making a difference in the world, we also find the source of life, the source of energy, mm. the source of love, the source of hope. Mm. This, is, this has been my faith journey. Yes. So Tony, you, you kind of touched on it in terms of uh, mentioning the Purpose Driven Life as one book that you've read that's uh, perhaps transformed your thinking. Have you got another recommendations for our listeners on books that they should read to help them on their journey? Well, the first book that they should read is the Bible. If you have, uh, whether I'm not, I'm not just uh, talking about Christians. Yes. I'm talking about great humanity in general. But mm. Maybe they should read also the Quran or they should read also the life of Buddha. Mm. But I am speaking from the perspective of uh, my own Christianity, yeah. because that's something I, I value, and that's something that I'm confident talking about. Mm. So if we have to really discover our purpose, then maybe we should start there. start there, because like I'm building intentional communities. Mm. So this whole dream of ending poverty by restoring human dignity. Mm. Is anchored in building sustainable communities. Yeah, you know, uh, an ecosystem for you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Yes, as you often hear. Mm. So, uh, uh, it has to be, uh, you know, a faith-driven life. Mm. And uh, building Gawad Kalinga started with my own concept of what a model community is. Mm. So it is in the Bible where I found uh, the inspiration in Acts chapter 4, verse 31 to 35, where it says, you know, God's community of believers was one heart and one mind. They shared their resources with one another. There was no needy person among them. Mm. So God's community of believers. So this is a faith. Mm. This is shared faith. You know, people you know, had one heart and one mind. This is about miracles of solidarity. They share their resources with one another. That talks about a culture of caring and sharing. Yeah. And there was no needy person among them. Mm. So it talks about a walang iwanan economy, mm. a solitary economy, where you create wealth in that, that is enough for all. Mm. So even our slogan in Gawad Kalinga, less for self, more for others, enough for all. Mm. So this is anchored on sustainability, yeah. but it is also very biblical because we see so many examples of it mm. in Scripture, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. So we talk always about Bayanihan, mm. which is a very Filipino concept of uh, building together. Yeah. So we have this, again, short slogan, together we can end poverty. Yes. That's, that's attracting a lot of people. It is, because this is also together we can build our shared humanity. Mm. Together we can build a better planet. Mm. Yeah, together we can build a peaceful world. Mm. So I'm actually investing also in a vision. You know, a better world for my children, my grandchildren, 
but I have also expanded. You know, it's about family, but I have expanded my own definition of family mm. to include the poor and the rich alike. Yes. Yeah. So by expanding my definition of family, uh, we are able to work with with those at the top and with those at the bottom so that we can really build a benevolent, egalitarian society yep. where uh, people uh, will have peace mm. because no one is in need. Mm. And that's the world that I see for my country, for my family, and for even my own definition of being Filipino has expanded Mm. So it's not just about legal citizenship or it's, only, it's not about people who actually have decided to stay in the Philippines. But anyone in the world who loves my country is a Filipino. So that includes me now? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I, have a, any, I, I spend my weekends here, my Sundays. Yesterday was a Sunday. Mm. I was here the whole day because uh, while my family was having their own time together, you know, the Sunday is a family day, yep. but my family knows that my family includes the poor who needs me more. Yeah. So I spend the whole day here, and then last night I joined my family, my blood family, for dinner. Mm. Because if I neglect to help my bigger family, majority of uh, whom are still striving to mm. gain a better life then my own biological family will not have a bright future in this country or anywhere in the world. Mm. Because even developed countries are having their own share of problems now, simply yeah. because they have narrowed their own definition of family. Yes. So even their own biological families are crumbling. Mm. Say because many of them chose to really pursue money and uh, which, uh, without the value of of, uh, with, without learning how to use money to build our humanity, then mm. we will be living in isolation. Yeah. We will be living in desolation. Mm. We will be living in depression. Mm. So money just for pleasure will not be enough. Okay. But money, yeah, using money to really build happiness is what you know, puts value to money. Mm. So we go for value. Not, money is not an end in itself. Mm. So even for business, you know, maximum profit is not the goal, but optimum profit. Up to me. And the goal of life is happiness, not just pleasure. Yes. Because some, you know, my British son-in-law who was drawn to, to the work of Gawad Kalinga at 25 had all the money he had to buy pleasure. Mm. But he was very unhappy. Mm. And he realized there's a big difference between pleasure and happiness. Because nice. pleasure has a price tag. And it's never enough. So the latest uh, Ferrari that you buy will be out of style after the new model comes out. Yes. So there's a you don't you know if it's already an outdated model, it will it has lesser value. So you have to earn more to buy the latest model mm. or the bigger mansion or the more luxurious vacation. Or the, but the future will be different. Because the millennials will not be going for lavish luxury or vulgar vanity. They will not just end with pleasure. They will go for happiness. Mm. And that's what all this disruption is, uh, is all about. You're creating a lot of disruption. Well, um, I, you know, maybe people refer to, to me because I may have created a lot of disruption in this country. <laughs> but it has to be a positive disruption. Any disruption that makes the world better. Yeah. Because for me, knowledge that is not used to make the world better is really garbage. Yeah. So, Tony, I want you to, to look back on your career from two perspectives. One from the perspective of what you're most proud of, and then the second of, let's say, where you perhaps failed or didn't... Uh, well, I don't like to use the word failure, but a setback in your life that you learn the most from. So let's take the first question. When you look back at your career today, what would be the one thing that you're most proud of? Uh, people who learn how to help themselves and to help others. So to me, the biggest uh, achievement is when you learn to empower. Mm. And it comes with a lot of detachment because people will go for power. My goal is to empower. 
Mm. And uh, people take courage so that they can encourage, give courage to others. Mm. Because there are a lot of good people who are just, just too scared. So if they don't have power. Mm. So I realized that my, my purpose in life is to make the weak and the powerless strong mm. by not desiring power for myself. On the way, me and Tony shared a car ride to the farm this morning and you talked about the four pitfalls of leadership. Yeah. Do you want to share with our listeners yeah. the four pitfalls? It was, actually, Tony turned around on me and asked me what the pitfalls were. And uh, I loved the simplicity of and the power of the, your answer. So maybe you want to t- tell the listeners the four pitfalls of leadership. Yeah, well, three of them are in the Bible, you know, about the, uh, well, the temptations of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, money, power, and glory. But I added sex. <laughs> so I came to realize that uh, sex is uh, a major pitfall if you do not mm. respect its purpose mm. in our design. Yeah. So I have seen great leaders fall from grace. Yes. Because they have not managed uh, also their, their sexuality. Yeah. So I, I, I know the value of sex mm. in my design uh, to really to build a deeper intimacy. Yeah. But I came to realize that, and you know that, since I chose to be married, you know, to a woman, and uh, I'm saying that uh, I am not making this an exclusive, mm. you know. Uh, model. I'm simply saying since I entered into this covenant with a woman that I'll be faithful, I'll be true, that I love her Mm. for the rest of my life, I have to be true to that promise. Mm. And so I guess five years ago when Reader's Digest chose me as the most trusted Filipino together with the president of the Philippines, Mm. I somehow I could not justify to myself when people ask me, why are you the most trusted? So I simply said, maybe because I do not lie or cheat on my wife. Mm. And if by, because if you cheat your wife, then you can cheat in your business. You can. You can cheat in your taxes. You can mm. cheat in your government service. Yeah. So we, we see great, a lot of great leaders fall from grace because they have, uh, not uh, learn, you know, to really uh, take responsibility for their sexuality. Yes. So the others, of course, would be money. So in 1996, I decided that I should uh, build uh, this work not on a funding mentality, but by putting value mm. to the land that we waste, putting value to to human labor. Because in our country, you cannot own a house unless you have the money to buy it. But then we created a formula where you can actually uh, provide sweat equity or labor. Yes. So the poorest of the poor who have no jobs, no business, no money, can actually own a decent home mm. by putting in a sweat equity as mm. their own contribution. Mm. So, you know, we realized that I don't have to monetize life. So it was just... Uh, for me to be able to also control my greed. Mm. So since 1995, and I, uh, I've, I've, I've not had a credit card or a, a checking account, and, uh, and I don't carry a lot of money in my pocket. I travel around the world without money in my pocket. Mm. And oftentimes it's uh, a dilemma when I check in, in a hotel abroad because they require a credit card. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've had some embarrassing moments. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, not being able to, not being able to pay the the toll because I didn't have money. So the people invited me to speak had to wait at the other end of the toll to pay for for the toll or to pay for my return gas. Mm. But you know, you realize that by detaching yourself, I detaching by detaching myself from money that I gained also trust. Yeah. from the wealthiest people mm. by not by detaching myself from power I gained the trust also of some of the most powerful people mm. because I you know 
Trust is priceless. Yeah. Respect is priceless. Credibility is priceless. So I go for the things that are priceless and they don't carry a price tag. Yeah. So by not wanting anything, I believe that, you know, then I have everything. Mm. So right now I feel I'm the richest man on the planet. Because you're, you're, you know, I, I may not have money in my pocket, but you have money in your pocket. Mm. So a lot of people want to pay, you know, so I don't have to worry uh, who meets me at the airport, who pays for my plane ticket, or will feed me in the next meal is Jerry's problem. <laughs> when whoever yeah. invites me to take care of that. Yeah, your team to look after. Yeah. yeah. So learning to detach myself from greed mm. you know, has also helped me to build a more generous world. Mm. But detaching myself from the power has given me also the freedom to to go around without any bodyguard. Mm. So you see in this place uh, convergence of people from all over the world, but you don't even see a security guard outside. Mm. But you go around the big plus subdivisions of Manila. Yeah. They build high walls and have a lot of security guards outside. You go to the buildings, you have security guards everywhere. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a statement that we no longer trust each other. Yeah. It's evidence. How do you like to live in a world where there's no more trust? It becomes a very disconnected world. Yes, and it is the loss of connectivity. Mm. Yeah. So I realized too that education should help us to connect with our humanity. But the sum of that in this life, a lot of uh, the most educated people on the planet are also the most disconnected yeah. from our human capital, mm. from nature, and all the mm. wealth and abundance that is everywhere. So Tony, when you talk about the, the four pitfalls of leadership, which one do you glory. struggle with the most? Glory. Glory. Because the world is always looking for a rock star. Mm. So I have difficulty with all the media attention, but it is necessary. Mm. But I'm here just as an, a storyteller, mm. you know, to let the world know that there are extraordinary people who live in this planet. Yeah. So like... Uh, by being known as a storyteller, by being recognized as a trustworthy uh, spokesperson mm. for the weak and the powerless, for the strong, for helping the weak, mm. you know, then that somehow draws a lot of support mm. you know, to ease human suffering. But it's never been about me. Yes. Because the world is always about, it's always about me. And I struggle a lot when you go to the global stage and people yeah. are inspired by the work or that by, by you telling the story of how millions of other people are making the day-to-day -day sacrifice to build a better world. Yes. Because the, the work of Gawad Kalinga is the work of millions, but I am, I happen to be the face. Yes. <laughs> so they want to attribute superhuman powers to you. I think that the world is always in pursuit of a rock star, as you said, the, yeah. uh, someone to showcase. Yeah. So when that happens, I have to go back to the ground. So recently it happened to me in one global forum where mm. they put me on the stage with Muhammad Yunus yeah. and, and called us you know, uh, thought leaders mm. from... Asia changing the world and when you speak and you get standing ovation from a thousand people and people want you know it's it's time mm. you know you have a choice to bask in that glory yes or to, or to go back to what this is all about so for you what is your strongest countermeasure to that so I, I, I flew off the stage flew off the stage yes. and straight back home and went to went back home mm. and go back to the farmers, go back to the informal settlers. Yeah, because I wouldn't be on that stage if not for them. Mm. And the, the nobility of the work that has attracted also the respect, the support, the trust mm. of many people, the poor and the rich alike. Mm. So it's not about me. Mm. It's about the nobility, the greatness of the human spirit. Yeah.
that is in everyone. Yes. I just happen to be a, a good storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> and I can testify to that, Tony. I, and I can testify. Let's talk about adversity because there's a lot of our listeners going through their own adversity right now. And a lot of them are perhaps on the verge of quitting, giving up on their passions, giving up on their dreams. Before you give advice to the listener, can, can I ask you first to kind of reflect on your own adversity that you've gone through? Which of episode did you learn the most from, personally? Well, the first thing is that never, never give up on life. Yeah. Uh, never allow your dreams to die. And uh, if, uh, if, the, you know, if, if there's uh, doom and gloom today, just uh, have the, the certainty that, that tomorrow or the next day the sun will shine again. Yes. And uh, you might be at the lowest point of your life now, but maybe happiness mm. is just around the corner. Mm. If you so never give up on the dream, never give, give up on the, mm. the, the, the on your purpose, on your mission, on the mm. great things that you want to do with your life. Mm. Yeah, and uh, that makes the victory more exciting mm. when you are challenged. Mm. When this, you know, when fighting for your dream will it, it will extract every every ounce of sweat and tears and even blood. So, do you believe is is necessary? Adversary is never necessary. Oh, it is necessary, mm. and because uh, the, the you know, some people say there's no pain, you know, no gain, no pain, no gain. Yeah, no pain. <laughs> So it just, you know, it builds, you know, uh, sacrifice builds character. No nation is built without sacrifice. No social enterprise is built without sacrifice. No family is built without sacrifice. So if you treat uh, humanity as family, mm. then every ounce of sacrifice to make the world better, yeah. to make the world, you know, to... To build, to build our humanity. Yeah. So you use every knowledge, every technology, every mm. resource at the service of our greater humanity. Because it's not just uh, when you do good for others, you, know, you live a life that is fulfilled. Yeah. And when you talk about, there's a, I guess there's a particular type of adversity that perhaps is the most hurtful of all. And that's adversity that comes from your own family, from your own loved ones. I know certain, that's something I've gone personally through, but what advice would you give to folks out there who are potentially adversity is not coming from strangers, but from their own family? How would you, yeah, our own loved ones? Um, because uh, the nature of family is really about intimacy, that uh, family by design are the people closest to your heart. Yes. And that means that family has the right to, uh, to demand uh, time, you know, your, your uh, nurture. Yeah. And uh, so it's not only that it's expected, it is also uh, how, how is the, the design of what family is about. Mm. But the difficulty that I had to go through with us I expanded my own concept of family. Yes. To include, you know, the the last, the least, and the lost. So, and that puts a toll on your own family because your own time is so finite. Your resources, your talent are so limited. Mm. But then I came to realize that, you know, it does not all have to come from me. Maybe whatever limited... Uh, talent, skills, time, resources I have, you know, it can multiply like the loaves of uh, bread and mm. uh, fishes by also connecting with the good in other people and helping unleash yeah. the potential to do good, yeah. including the poor themselves. Mm. But that requires, again, an investment of time yes. and building relationships. So in the beginning, it was difficult. The first seven years of my own journey because my children were growing up, but then to be able to convince them, I'm doing this for you, so that the streets will be safer. Mm. 
so that there will, you know, you don't have to leave the country to look for opportunities in other parts of the world, mm -hmm. simply because we will develop our own self-reliance and that the land of the hopeless will become the land of opportunity if there's enough of us who will believe yeah. that uh, we can all, we can end poverty together mm. and build shared prosperity. So in the beginning, it was difficult for my wife to see me leave my house at six o'clock in the morning and to spend my Sundays mm. with the gang leaders, with the out of uh, school youth, with uh, drug addicts, And uh, for me to be able to convince my own family that mm. I'm doing this for you. Mm. Because we normally have a very, you know, short vision. You know, and, uh, and, uh, and so we want immediate uh, instant gratification. We live in a world of instant gratification and yeah. immediate ROI. Yeah. But, you know, when you talk about vision, you talk about the future that has to be built now. That will entail a lot of commitment of time, talent, and treasure. Mm. Which some families say, hey, that should come to us because charity begins at home. Yep. So you're actually, you know, challenging traditional thinking. Mm. And that's what disruption is about. So when I spend time with the gang leaders, then my family also gets concerned. Why, why, you know, they're dangerous. Why are you spending time with them? What, and we are your family. Why don't you just spend more time earning more money so that you can, yeah, you know, give us a better quality of life. Mm. So again, that's what partnership is about. You know, you marry somebody who also understands the, uh, our shared covenant yeah. of unconditional love. And with all our imperfections and inadequacies, yeah, you know, we try to, you know, help, you know, not we 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 don't we make each other, you know, um, stronger mm. by providing us the strength when we are weak. Mm. And so, you know, my wife married a very imperfect man. But it's her unconditional love that will make, make me more perfect every day. Or at least less imperfect. <laughs> Your and perfect imperfections. Yeah, so that's why John Legend, you know, captures it so well. Yes. You know, and he says, you know, all of me. Yeah. So I gave all of me to my wife. I gave all of me to my family. But I also gave all of me to my country. Yeah. Because family, community, country, humanity... They're all, all embracing. Yeah. You cannot separate one from the other. Mm. Because that, that's what passion is. Put your mm. heart into any decision that you make. So when I married my wife, I married an imperfect person, but I put my heart into that decision. Mm. So again, you discover, you know, you, know you, you discover all her perfect imperfections. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So 36 years, and she has to marry somebody who is strange, not, not normal. <laughs> so, you know, when I first brought my daughter yeah. to, the, to the gang leaders, she, I, because I make sure that I don't do it alone. Mm. So my two daughters joined me in the early days of the rehab of gang leaders. So my daughter, my eldest daughter, Anna, Uh, became a friend to uh, a child uh, prostitute who was her age. She was 16. Mm. But she was uh, raped by her stepfather at 13. Mm. And she had two abortions when she was 16. Mm. She also was gang raped in a cemetery by seven men. And uh, when my, my daughter introduced her friend to me, she was in tears and Mm. And she said she has suffered so much. And I looked at her and I looked at her friend and I said, she could have been, my daughter could have been her if she was married in a slum. Yeah. The same circumstances. So that was to me my epiphany that unless I treat this prostitute as my own family, unless I treat the poor as my family, mm. my own daughter will not have a bright future in this country. Yeah. So 
I guess uh, that started it. No, it's yes. been a long journey, but I realized that there is so much goodness in other people mm. that they're also looking for a way to make the world better. Mm. And we make it better by discovering the power of kindness. Mm. But uh, the power of kindness to really just connect with the good in people, to unleash also their capacity for kindness. Yeah. Then you find peace. And you find happiness. Yeah. But then also, this will, it's very difficult for this to happen like if you don't discover the power of presence. Because mm. life, um, uh, family is about relationship, community is about relationship, country is about relationship. Yeah. So it's about connectivity. Yeah. So I come to, if I want to change the slums, I have to go there and see the, 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 the slum dwellers of family. I have to help them build, transform the slums. It will become a home mm. that will provide dignity and quality of life for the people. Yeah. And if they don't have the resources, then my own network of influence, my own whatever credibility I have will attract the resources yeah. to open doors of opportunity for them. Mm. So from building the first community to the 2,500 communities we have built, that has also inspired other organizations to understand the, the, the principle yeah. of solidarity and the principle of Ayanihan. Mm. So now we're building our first farm village university in the world. Right here, right now? We're here right now. Yeah. And you see the vast wasteland that mm. will become a field of abundance because the people who were abandoned are now starting to discover their own potential. Mm. for productivity. So, to turn wasteland into abundance. So, it's right there. Yeah. Why do we have to look for it somewhere else? So, I guess uh, the challenge again is just look around you. Yeah. See problems as opportunities. Yeah. And uh, don't talk about problems. Talk about solutions. Yes. If you just complain, then you're part of the problem. Mm. Let's people perceive, look at you as a man who has achieved so much in terms of productivity habits. Have you a productivity habits that others may benefit from in terms of how you spend your day? Mm -hmm. Is there something that you do that you think others would, would value? Yeah. Was it? That it's just, uh, you know, it's that uh, it's really the, that you are a gift. Mm. No, life is a gift to you and you are a gift to life mm. and uh, so it's about giving yourself to life mm. it's not demanding so much from life yes that's reverse thinking then, yeah, then you, you experience the fullness of life but what about what's the one thing that you've said no to that you've benefited the most so you've had to make a lot of decisions of what you're going to say no to there's a one particular thing you said no to that's helped you the most. No to politics. <laughs> Do you want to share? Do you want to talk about that more in terms of... Yeah, because I really love my country and I want to serve my country. Mm. But uh, I want to talk about servant leadership, not about political power. Yeah. Because uh, my love for my country has no term of office. Yeah. And it does not, it, it, it does not create enemies. Mm. But when you start to desire power for yourself, mm. you know, then you become the enemy of people who also the same desire the same power. Yeah. And uh, I want to build peace, but uh, the way that politics is run in many countries, it is the source of conflict. True. Within our own setting, because politics is a source of power and wealth. Mm. You know. For a lot of families. Yeah. So they will do anything to gain power. So every three years we have, we have uh, elections in this country. Millions of Filipinos declare war on each other. Mm. It's not just politician against politician. It's all their supporters. So I chose a different path. That uh, I will work with anyone, you know, as long as I 
they respect the values they they, they believe in the vision. Yeah. So well, well, others say that the Philippines is a corrupt country. I've worked with thousands of politicians, yeah. mayors, governors, yeah. congressmen, senators, even presidents, yeah. many barangay captains, and not a single one has tried to corrupt me. Mm. So I guess the most important thing is that you create a brand of trust yeah. and that your own leadership, you know, uh, your own integrity is consistent. And that's where detachment comes. My detachment from money and power and glory builds trust mm. and credibility. I love that. Create a brand of trust. That's excellent. That's excellent advice. Yeah. And that's the reason why we're still around. Because yeah. even if you're the most powerful man now, you know, the moment you're out of office, no one will talk to you anymore. <laughs> so does your service end? Yeah. But when power ends, because then next year we will have a new leaders in this country yeah. and we will continue to work with them because mm. whoever will be elected will still see us as a brand of trust mm. and we'll just see our platform getting bigger, yeah. especially now that Gawad Kalinga is a recognized global brand. Yeah. So after Typhoon Ayan, I guess uh, more and more global uh, funding institutions, uh, corporations, universities, they started to see Gawad Kalinga as a brand that delivers. Yeah. So that's what the New York Times said. Mm. You know, uh, during the rehab for Hayan, they mentioned Gawad Kalinga as the most credible humanitarian organization in the Philippines. Mm. Because you have all these communities that we have built as proof of concept. Yes. And to be able to immediately, you know, just within a short period of time, to build permanent homes. Well, big organizations from all over the world could not uh, build immediately despite the fact that they had all the money because they didn't do that land banking. Mm. So because we believe that landowners were shared the land, we were able to really prepare areas that are also hazard-free. Yeah. And since the beneficiaries of Gawad Kaling in the past had this whole culture of paying forward, mm. so they were also the first to demobilized to become volunteers mm. when it was time to also help uh, build new communities for the victims of Haiyan. Yeah. So the former beneficiaries from the survivors of past typhoons like Ondoy, Sendong, and Pablo yeah. were also now the first also to uh, immediately demobilize for mm. our relief operations. So yeah. within, you know, before we just built homes and uh, communities and schools, but because of our presence on the ground, we also became the most exp maybe the, the, the most effective network to, for the distribution of relief. Yeah. So we were able to distribute relief uh, to, to about a million people within 60 days. Wow. And when the next typhoon came, the, the communities that we built became also the relief centers mm. for the surrounding communities. Yeah. So you create a rippling effect. Wow. It's not what we have done, but, but simply because we have shown a lot of people that it can be done. Mm. And they even improve on what we have done. So they will, things can only get better. Yes. I love that. So the second last part of the show, <laughs> this is, we might have to do this in two parts, Tony. This is amazing. I love this. Uh, this is, the, I guess, the fun section. And uh, you, can, you don't have to answer any of these questions, but if you were punch someone in the face who would that be me because <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't blame people I don't blame you know I don't uh, play the blame game mm. so if there's uh, something wrong with the country it's not the politicians it's not the greedy businessmen so if I want the world to change I have to change me yes the biggest threat to you know to me to my life and to my family, it's me. <laughs> I love that. I appreciate that. So if there's any punching to be done, <laughs> I simply have to punch myself in the face. Okay. Is there something that most people don't know about you that you'd like to share? What I do with my wife is something that's very private. <laughs> okay, I wasn't uh, hinting at that, but uh, I respect that. No, there, there, there are a lot of things that people do mm. in privacy. Yes, that should be kept private. Absolutely, yeah. 
So, whatever good that, you know, whatever struggles we have to do, you know, that will harm others, let's keep it private. Yeah. So, but whatever, whatever good you want to do, mm. make it public. Yes. And what about, is there a certain skill or knowledge that you're trying to master right now? Is there something that you're trying to... The thing here is that uh, I don't want to, to do what other people can do better. Okay. So I just, uh, I, I guess, I just have to surround myself with people who are smarter than me mm. in the field of technology, in the field of uh, uh, design, yeah. in the field of psychology. Yeah. You just build a platform that will also attract people, a solidarity platform that will attract people with their own competencies, with their own passions yeah. to come together. So I guess uh, I simply have to also tame my, my, my ego. Mm. That I, you know, I have to do everything myself. Yes. I have to control everything. That's where the, the first really important lessons for me in life is detachment. Mm. So and I love the, the detachment that Jesus had because he came into this world without land or home. Yeah. So I came to realize that my purpose is to really uh, help the landless and the homeless you know, that, 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 that Jesus loved yeah. because he came as landless and homeless himself. Mm. And he was born to a carpenter. Yeah. So maybe he's, he's the master builder. He wants us to build something mm. that will make the world better. Yes. When you look at this year, and this is 2015, what is, uh, when you look at yourself, what has surprised you about yourself in the last year? Yeah, well, that uh, that I can, that there are many things I can still learn mm. uh, from from the land. I just discovered that by planting bananas, mm. you know, we can actually create a model that will, uh, you know, address, uh, address uh, hunger. Yeah. So right now we're having this big program called Kalinga Sa Cusina, which is a feeding program for the kids in the public schools. Yeah. So now we're also creating uh, the Farm Village University mm. that will teach also the children of farmers not to leave farming or the children of uh, tricycle drivers yeah. and, then, and, uh, and to also go into productivity. Mm. So that uh, we can also create sustainability, address yeah. extreme, you know, address uh, food insufficiency and many other things. Yeah. So I think the most important thing is that the solutions are just around us. Yeah. And uh, even the person who might be in need has also so much to contribute. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Three last questions to go. Okay. And this is the last part of the, the show. And you've already touched on this, but if you've any further thoughts, I'd welcome you to share. But what is your dream for the Philippines and the Filipino people? It's very clear that uh, I just, uh, that together we can end poverty. Mm. And that uh, the Philippines will become uh, the, will become the land of hope. Yeah. The hub for inclusive growth mm. and the home to peoples of the world because mm. 11 million of my people are all over the world yeah. and they have uh, experienced the hospitality, they have experienced opportunity and they have in fact married into those countries. Yes. And so what we would like to see is that the, the Philippines is home also to, to Americans because 4 million Filipinos have found America home. So maybe mm. 300 million Americans will find the Philippines as their home in Asia. Mm. Maybe also the, the Europeans will find the Philippines their mm. home. And maybe their hub for their business, for their career in the emerging uh, economies of Asia. Mm. And uh, so maybe this is uh, the answer to the depression that a lot in, in countries affected by by the stagnating economies yeah. that will find hope in the emerging economies. Purpose. Purpose. Yeah. And, uh, so 
my own dream is to make the Philippines now the you know the hub and home mm. in Asia, mm. and that, that means that. Uh, but it, it takes a radical optimist to see life that way. It does. So it's a choice. You can be either uh, an optimist or uh, a pessimist. Yeah. You know. But I like to really create the positive energy. So turn people from Europe who complain about their economy and their government to come to the Philippines and see happiness from people who have known so much pain yeah. to see uh, generosity from people who have so little in life. Mm. That's what the Philippines is. Yeah. So maybe we can also now, after we have endured so much for so long and uh, really taken pride in our resiliency, maybe we can really now chart our own rise to prosperity mm. without losing faith, love, and hope. Mm. You know, to really build a more sustainable prosperity and peace. Not just for Filipinos, but for everyone who loves my country. Mm. And maybe use this as a, as a model in Africa, in South America, and other parts of the world. Yeah. That have also known so much Spain. Mm. So, this is, uh, this is the, country, the world that I want my children and grandchildren to inherit. Mm. But it's also in the Bible. When, yeah. when God assured Abraham that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in heaven. Mm. I have so many descendants because mm. <laughs> all the families that have become also uh, our adopted families yeah. uh, from the slums that have become beautiful communities, mm. from the neglected rural areas mm. that are now, that will soon be with abundance and hope. Mm. So it is already written. <laughs> Second last question, Tony. I want you to visualize the twenty-year-old Tony Malolo. Have you got the image of what he what he used to look like? Me? Yeah, you. 20? You at twenty. What advice would you give your twenty-year-old self? I would not change anything. Okay. Because even the mistakes I made mm. have good, uh, you know, uh, points of learning. Yeah. So all the. Uh, pain that I've gone through has mm. only strengthened me. Yeah. And all the pain that I have inflicted on others have also taught me also to be kinder. Mm. So I I guess uh, I would not be where I am now if uh, I gave an advice to the Tony Miloso <laughs> to avoid all those mistakes because uh, life is about second chances. Yeah. Life is not about giving up on oneself and not giving up on others. Yeah. Life is a gift. And there is a, that gift in, is, uh, has great value. That, that it's priceless. And so it is our purpose in life to bring us, to bring out what is priceless in everyone. Mm. Beautiful. So, Tony, we're just about to I'll ask my last question. But before I do so, I want to acknowledge you. I want to appreciate you for making the time for me and our listeners today, uh, which sharing your insights into these questions. And personally for me, you have been a massive influence. I, when I first came to the Philippines, I asked for, show me the organizations and the people who are making a difference here, who are making a significant, sustainable difference. And your name came up time and time again. And even this year, um, on your recommendation, I finished reading The Genius of the Poor, which is something I highly recommend to our listeners. It's probably the best book I've written on the field of human developments in years. So I'm sincerely appreciative of this. You took the time to invest in that book with um, your friend, the co-author, Tom Green. So my last question, Tony. Uh, this show is called The Best of You. It's designed to inspire and empower uh, Pinoy's to go further faster. Yeah. So what is your final advice to, to our listeners and how they can become the best version of themselves? Well, give the best of yourself to this country because the best is yet to come. Mm. Best, give the best uh, to whatever you're doing now. Mm. You know, and, uh, and then people around you will give the best of themselves to you. Mm. So when we give for the sake of others, 
then you will open floodgates of generosity to you. Just uh, decide today to be happy. And the way to happiness is just uh, giving the best of yourself to everyone in every circumstance. And then you know, it will all come back to you. So today, just realize that this is a purpose to your life. Mm. And uh, by discovering that purpose, you'll find happiness. And that is the kind that is priceless because it's a gift that no one can steal from you. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tony. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you. you. And there you have it, guys, my interview with the one, the only, Tito Tony, Tony Maloto. Wow. I think I could have recorded an, another two or three hours with Tony alone. And maybe if you demand it, if you, you see this value, which I expect lots of people will, we'll record perhaps a second interview with Tony in the near future. But that was an absolutely extraordinary powerful his insights. And if that's the first time you've, you've got to be exposed to Tony or you've heard some of those messages before, I think my number one takeaway with any encounter I have with Tony Miloto is how can I apply this to my life? These messages, how can I apply this to become a better version of me? So that's my challenge to you. Lots of insights Tony shared on his own uh, journey, uh, but how does it apply to you? How does it help um, or impact the decisions you make on a daily, daily basis. That's what I want to hear from you guys, the listeners. Um, what was the value? What was your single most powerful takeaway? And uh, how, can, how can we get better? How can we improve these interviews? How can I serve you more? Um, and I want to hear your comments through our social media, bestofyou.ph. You can check out all the show notes um, from this episode all the links to the references that Tony made. And I want you to leave your comments uh, because this, this, without that, we will never know and how I can improve this show for you. Okay, guys, so this show is all about helping you go further faster. And I sincerely hope that you took at least one thing from that interview. I know certainly I have um, and many more that it can allow me to be a better person. So... That's it, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you again the next episode. God bless. Maraming salamat.